listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, gang. Welcome to the last part of our series, As You Go. And the series certainly has gone by so quickly. If you've missed any part of it, you can go to newchapel.com slash watch. But everybody in the room or watching online, take out something to take notes with right now. We take notes at New Chapel. Why? Because we believe that God has something to say to us. And if you're anything like me, God will speak. And sometimes I'll just forget what he said. And so jot down uh, some notes today. I think it will encourage you. Uh, as we end the series, I, I honestly could keep on going uh, along this line, I think, for a while. Uh, we'll give it rest and go into some greater things. We'll talk about that in a second. But the things that I see, the people of God, that, the, the things that we've lost, the, like the men and women of God, the Christians, the things that we've lost, it's, it's lost in our lives because we've surrendered it. You think that it is because there's an enemy, and listen, the enemy's coming after you, and the world's coming after you, but... But the truth is this, it's because we surrendered the blessing of God or we surrendered ground, because I'm telling you, if you're with Jesus on things, you're not going to lose in that way. It, if you do seemingly lose in the short, God will spring the trap on the enemy and it'll work out for your advance. Can I hear an amen? I'm going someplace with this. And, and the way that I want to bring this out is through God's mission. God's mission. What is God's mission in this world? What is he trying to get done? What did he say to his followers, as believers? Mark 16, 15, you might have heard this before. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. One of the biggest distinctives about New Chapel versus I think a lot of other churches is we don't think that the church like needs a mission. We think that the mission of God needs a church. And there's a big distinction there. Write that down. Because we don't have to sit in rooms trying to come up with what we're supposed to be doing. We're called to go. The series is called As You Go. Say amen, somebody. And so we, we need to be the people of God that center in on his mission, be about what he's about. And at New Chapel, what that's done is help articulate, I think, a really clear purpose for us. And if you're around the church for long enough, you'll, you'll hear this, that we're for people to connect with God and to be raised to new life in Christ. We want that connection, that evangelism component where you're meeting God through Jesus. And then we want you to be raised to new life. I mean, the church that I was like saved at, I accepted Christ at, it was like get born again and just, if you could just act right until Jesus comes back, that'd be perfect, you know? We believe that God has more for you in this life, that God has a plan for your life, that his goodness can be shown, but you've got to raise up to that. You've got to hear what God has for you. You've got to get into his word and become a follower of Christ. Kind of quiet this morning. Say amen, somebody. And so the belief is this, that you're created on purpose for a purpose, that you're created on purpose for a purpose in this world, and, and that we are called to go into all the world, right, to all people, not just people that look like us, Everybody in Western Michigan, y'all look like vanilla ice cream cones. And everybody else, they're my people. You know, like people that don't look like you. What's the most segregated hour in America? It's Sunday morning church. Well, we got to change that. Say amen, somebody. We're called to go to all generations. We're called to go at all costs, loving people and sharing the good news of the gospel. Say amen, somebody. You know, I was thinking about this concept this week, and I kind of stumbled onto the fact that, you know, there's no retirement in the kingdom. You don't, you don't retire from, from, from serving God. There's no bench. 
and, and you don't become a person that sits back and does nothing. And I'm going to be the first person to even insist in your life that there's seasons of rest, that there's seasons of, of, of recuperating, catch your breath a little bit. I get all of that. I believe in that. Uh, but there is no spot you're going to reach in your faith where you're going to say, I paid my dues. I'm good. Let the young people take care of it. Let, let, these, let these people with energy take care of it. The Bible says in the book of Acts that your young men would see visions and that your old men would dream dreams. And there's a lot to that, but one of the things God is trying to convey is it's, it's not the old guy that's retiring and just leave it up to everybody else. It's actually describing generations coming together and making a difference together. It's not just the young. It's not just the old. We're not going to lean on that. We're going to lean on God. Say amen, somebody. And so we got to get into this thing and, and understand that God's mission is massive in this world. You know, I thought about this. You are living in the greatest hour ever. And I know there's a temptation in a lot of our minds and hearts, especially in the last two years, where you're looking at society just like fall apart. You're thinking like, why wasn't I born in the 40s or 50s? I'm a super old soul, and I like listening to like, I don't know, Frank Sinatra, Nat King Cole, Stan Kenton, Maynard Ferguson, Chicago. Yeah, okay, there we go. I got you back in the room. Duke Ellington, Ella Fitzgerald, Louis Armstrong, just to name a couple that are on my playlist. And I'm like, I'm an old man, like to the max. My dad was born in 1939, the month that Hitler invaded Poland. Hello. And so we grew up listening to vinyl before it was popular. And, and there's a part of me that's always longed for that like 50s, 60s, madman appeal. And I got to tell you, it's not the case. You were born for such a time as this, for this hour, for this moment. And though it can be discouraging what you're seeing in the world and the dark is getting darker, yeah? The light shines so much brighter in the dark. And I hear an amen somebody. And so you get to live here on purpose. God wanted you here in this time. Wow. I want to read for you, uh, pairing with the, the Great Commission, that's that Mark 16. I want to read for you Matthew 28. The Bible says this, Go therefore... Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I like how he says it again. Go, go. You're making disciples. You're baptizing them. That word baptize is immerse. You're, you're getting them plugged into this thing, plugged into the family of God, water baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered to go make a difference. And, and the call is not just on the preacher. This great commandment that's given in Matthew 28 that pairs with the great commission. It wasn't given to the preachers. Hey, preachers, you go and preach. It's talking about everyone. It's why we end our services with, as you go, there's a reason why, is because we've got to change our mentality about it. It's not the head Fred, the genius and a thousand helpers, and you come in and listen to a talking head for an hour and shake your head, say amen, hold your coffee, wave at Jesus, and go out and live a normal life. No, God has called you to live the supernatural. He's called you to great things. As you go, preach, it's on you. And so write it down. We cannot, it's impossible to take any ground. We cannot leave evangelism up to the preacher. We, we will be, the ship will be sinking, okay? Like, we'll change the name from New Chapel to Titanic Church. Like, it's just, might feel like a big deal, but it's going down. And so, we need all hands on deck. Every person, 
every age. Young person, listen to me. You're not immune from this. You can make a difference in your school and in your life. Don't wait for somebody else. If you're looking for somebody to give you permission, there it is right there. It's on you. The Bible says Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we can make a difference together. Say amen. amen. You know, in Romans, the scripture shows us that we all in the church are different parts, but we're all part of one body. That, that we're not called to volunteer, right? Like if, if your stomach started to just volunteer, that wouldn't make any sense. But every organ in your body, every bone, every structural system, every, every, every biological system in you, it's made to function so the whole body can do what it needs to do. When, when one clump says, hey, we're getting upset about something, we're going to go do our own thing, what do we call that? Cancer. That's cancer. When, when one starts to shut down, the whole body is at risk of shutting down. Do you hear me? And the Bible shows us that we, is the body of Christ, every single one of us. And so listen to me. I'm, I'm trying to make eye contact with as many of you as possible on purpose so that you hear me. Your gift, your opinion, your giftedness, your talent, your skill, we need you. We're doing all right without you, but it'd be so much better with you, and we can make so much more of a difference in this world. Ed Stetzer uh, wrote a book about church planting. I read this when I was planning New Chapel. And he said this, the United States has far more church buildings than the number of McDonald's, Starbucks, and Dunkin' Donuts stores combined, giving the impression that there's a church facility on every corner and plenty of room for anyone who wants to take part. But in reality, if the entire population of more than 350 million Americans went to an established church, including those that meet in storefronts, rented school facilities, and the like, more than half of America would be turned away even if every one of those churches had three weekend church services. Did you know that? That means that, that, that we've got to do something. We're not prepared. God has equipped us. God has gifted us, but we're not ready for that. We're not ready for that type of harvest. And, and we do not have currently at New Chapel the laborers to, to serve the people that would come in here if we were at full capacity. At two services much less if we started to go towards three, which I'm believing God with everything in me. We go to three services this fall and blow up in this place. But listen to me, even still, we need more laborers in this thing. In America, it's not, it's, we think that we're a Christian nation and our foundation has a lot to do with that. But let me just tell you something. A lot of Christians agree and give mental assent with what's right. And they're like, yeah, get them. But we're not backing it up with our effort. And so we, we, we put it on other parts of the world to take care of it. So we used to be, America, we used to be this nation that sent all kinds of missionaries out into the world. And in, in, in a way, we still do. But did you know that America is now the third largest mission field in the world? Makes me want to like call them back up and be like, hey, can you come on back? Like, <laughs> I know they need Jesus in Sparta. You know, like just <laughs> somebody. And, and every once in a while, you know, a new church will plant or a new satellite of a church will plant in, in our area and people come up and be like, can you believe that they're doing that in our backyard? And let me just tell you something. I'll never, I'll never be intimidated by another church that's coming up. Let them come. When tides rise, all ships rise. We're on the same team. If you try to pit me against Res Life, Ada Bible, City Church, uh, Cornerstone, Crossroad, it ain't going to happen. We're on the same team. They got differences in me. Hallelujah. I'm unique. You're the people that can handle me, right? Let's go race the world for Jesus. 
And, and the reason why we're the third largest mission field in the world is because we're stagnant. Not New Chapel. Not you. Others that are not here today. But do some introspection and think, is that me? I know that we're at the cool church. It's taking ground as you go preach, right? But we can't be stagnant anymore. We forgot that we're on mission, and we need to roll up our sleeves and go. Well, those stats that you just read, Pastor Joe, that's for the whole United States altogether. That's not New Jerusalem. That's not Grand Rapids. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm glad you brought that up. Not so. The Barnard Group did some research on this, and in the 30-mile radius around Grand Rapids, you'd call that the Grand Rapids Metro, okay? There's about a million people. And they compare these different uh, metropolitan areas to others, and they group us in the top 100. We are in the top 100. Grand Rapids is the 60th most unchristian or post-Christian uh, city in America. Did you know that? We're number 60. Uh, of the church list, those are Christians with no identity affiliation or have walked away from God, we're 46 out of 100. Those are two different groups of people. If there's 33% post-Christian and churchless and 36% uh, that are in that, that uh, they've walked away, we are well over half in the radius around Grand Rapids that have no vital connection to the body of Christ or to the good news. We need more churches. We need more serving. We need more connecting. We need more giving. We need more ground. Why? It's you, if you think that everybody's saved in Grand Rapids, you're wrong. Almost, oh my gosh, I'm old. Nine years ago, this September, uh, we planted our church. Hallelujah, right? But as we were getting ready to plant, I had pushback in, in from some of the people you would not even expect to see. Some people who are pastors of other churches being like, we got this. We, we got it. We don't need any more. It's, it's over church. They called it G-R-Usalem, Jerusalem. And they said, why do we need another church in Grand Rapids? I'm telling you why. Because our schools are rotting from the inside out. Why do we need another church in Grand Rapids? Because there's people in our neighborhoods who live next to us who are dying and going to hell without Jesus. Why? Because there are kids that are going through the ringer right now because the church thinks that us four no more, we got this. And, and, and we're cool with having a crowd on Sunday instead of having a committed church that's turned this membership thing into really an army of people for Jesus. We've got to do something. We've got to take ground. And, and so think about it. More people have been at the bar last night than will be at church this, this Sunday morning. There's a great harvest of people out there. We just need to go and reach them. I've heard this uh, buzz term, um, and it's even come into the church, and, and I'll qualify it for sure, but it's something that I think is so deceiving, and it's this phrase. It's, it's self-care. Well, Pastor Joe, you know, listen, I'd give, I'd serve, I'd be a part of more things, I'd show up at the whatever, but, but I got to work on me. I got to do my own. I've, I've got my own thing going on. I've got to focus on what I've got going on. And my question is this, how does that gel with the data? And in fact, in most churches in America, 10% of the people do 90% of the work. It's not a sustainable pattern. Quiet in the church. 
Maybe you've served on the go team or you've served in other capacities and, and you're serving and you're part of that 10%. And what happens? You're looking at everybody else and it's like, we could really use you. And sometimes people get burnt out. Sometimes people get tired. Sometimes people, they need to get some care of their own. But, but the people getting self-care that are just sitting, they're under the impression, here's the big deception at all. They're under the deception that you have to make the discernment in between taking care of yourself and become a person that's giving out from themselves. That it's either or, and that is a, a judgment call the world is putting on you. Not a judgment call that God is putting on you. In fact, God will not call you to make that discernment. Say amen. We need to position ourselves to ensure that everybody, everybody's doing their part. Now, Jesus gave a great picture of it. I'm going to read this whole passage, but really interesting things. If you have your Bible, open up to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, St. Matthew 9. I'm going to start reading in verse 35. Uh, scripture says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages in the area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Not my message today, but what are we supposed to be announcing? The good news about the kingdom. What do a lot of Christians announce in the last two years? It's all crumbling. It's, <laughs> this is the worst. This is awful. You know, I mean, and, and, and yet Jesus is feeding you the lines. Yeah, the world's getting dark. We can start talking about good things and turn this whole thing around. I got to move on. Verse 35, Jesus healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like a sheep without a shepherd. One translation would bring it across that they were uh, not just confused, that they looked harassed. They, they were looking confused, and they were looking, uh, uh, they were looking helpless and, and harassed. That, that, that downtrodden look was on them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Why are people dealing with this? We have a generation of people who are confused and harassed and are beaten down because they don't have a shepherd in their life telling them the truth. And I know you and I have an understanding, right? We're good. I'm, I'm happy that you come in here. You think that I'm funny. In fact, it, it actually means a lot to me. But, but you, you like that we're edgy in a lot of things. But let me just tell you, my number one thing, I got to answer to God with everything I communicate to you. And I've got to give you his truth. And if it makes the world upset, it makes a lot of sense that some things that a God that stands outside of time and culture would have opinions about things that don't fit into this culture. And so, and so, gang, they need the truth. We need the truth. And the problem with what we see in America is we're not giving them the truth because they don't have access. We think that they could come in here anytime they want. They need us. They need on-ramps. They need events and environments to make them feel comfortable. They need an invitation from you to come into this place so it doesn't feel so insider. Say amen. amen. The world is confused. Anybody else bear witness with that one? They don't know up from down. And I wanted to say that a different way. And, and guys, <laughs> they're harassed by the lies of the enemy. And the devil's eating their lunch, and we have the truth. We've got the Holy Spirit. So, so Jesus sees all of this, and here's what he says in verse 37. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. Another translation, New King James says that, that the laborers are few. We could say the servants Where's all the servants of God? They say they're all about God. I'm all about what God is doing. And then it's like, peace out when there's work. Where are the laborers? God's desire, listen to me, and this is the big clarification. 
I want you to take care of yourself. But God's desire is that everybody gets the care for their self that they need. And when we start making the discernment in between you taking a seven-year personal vacation because you feel overwhelmed, I'm just going to tell you, you don't need to feel anxious as a Christian, but you will feel outside of yourself. Because the things that God has called you to do are bigger than what you could do on your own. And if you could just do them on your own, you don't need God. And so I feel very stretched regularly and wish that it would just be easier sometimes. And, and go be the preacher at Rusty Nail Community Church. It'd be wonderful. Psalm 135, bringing in the sheaves, but we didn't, right? And, and, and it would be great. It'd be easy. But it would not be what God has called me to do. It would not be what God has called you to do. And so we stretch and we're willing to be put into spots that we really are like, I'm kind of uncomfortable with this. Great. Bible says, be anxious for nothing. I don't want you tore up or fearful or anything like, I'm not describing anything like that, but I'm saying God will take you on a journey, taking steps with him. He'll build you up to a spot. You'll look back at some of the things you've done in the past, some of the victories your family has won, some of the great events where we saw souls saved at church, and you'll be like, I did that. I was a part of that season. I was part of taking in the harvest, and it'll blow your mind because it'll be so outside of what you ever thought you could do. Say amen, somebody. But too often, we see bad news. We read about awful things on social media. We, we, um, we hear bad news on, on, on the news networks, and, and we'll make a little post on Facebook about how awful it is to make a point. And then we just go back to our normal lives. And I would submit to you today, you can either make your point or make a difference. So many of you agree with so much of this. What I'm asking for is not just your heart. I feel like I got your heart. I'm asking for your butt. <laughs> Somebody should tweet that immediately before I tell you not to. <laughs> I really do. I feel like I've got your support. I feel like we're on the same page. I need your help. And I feel like if, if, if there was a church in Grand Rapids that would be ready for that, it's us. And I feel like if that church would do that, we could change the city, this region in very short order. Wow. So what do we do? We got to seek and save and baptize and serve and disciple. And we've got to be people that uh, engage. And, and, and we've got to be, we've got to be focused on this great, this great harvest that God has. The harvest is great and the laborers are few. Let's be a church that flips the script on all of it. And we're not 10% that are serving and 90% not. Let's be a church that's fully engaged with what God has. Now, Think about it for a second. You, even if you would say, I'm broke as a joke, Pastor Joe, I got you. You have more than anyone in history. You have bigger houses. You have bigger cars than anyone in history. There's more movie options. There's more music options. I'm amazed when I get on Instagram, all my friends that travel, all the traveling that happened. I mean, my Atlanta, it was a big deal when we'd go down to spring break and everybody would load into my dad's 1988 Oldsmobile, which felt basically like riding a mattress carpet ride down the road, like, whoa, you know? And we took it down to Atlanta, right, to go visit family. Like, it was all in the car. Now everybody's taking their kids. They got T-shirts made up. We got pennants. Everybody's got their drink with plexus and probiotics in it. I'm thinking like, 
This is not sustainable. I don't know who's paying for this junk, but that's a lot. How are you getting down there? Anyway, you, you've got more opportunities than you've ever had, and yet the reality is in our society, in this world, there's never been more suicide. There's never been more depression, addiction, overdoses. My cousin this last week overdosed and died. And I'm sure you don't have to think very hard to think of a family member or close friend that is OD'd. The world is confused. And, and, and what we want to do is be like, they're confused and make a post. Or watch our pet news thing and be like, yeah, go get them, 9 o'clock news guy. I got you. I watch that show. But let me just tell you something. You can make a point or make a difference. <laughs> this is very arrogant. I'm going to say it because it's just fun to say. And I, I mean it and don't mean it. Same time. I'm right. You're right. Hey, let's all high-five each other. High-five the person next to you. Be like, I'm right. Woo. Hi, go ahead. If you didn't high-five your spouse, you can come for prayer after church today. But we're all right, right? Yeah. We got the handle on this. But us just being the bearers of all that is right and true is not enough. We've got to make a difference in this world. And, and, and we have a generation that's dying. They're fatherless. And they need a church that's willing to stand up. They can't experience truth unless we create opportunities and environments for them to hear the truth. Uh, so we're going to be launching a student ministry this fall, which is so exciting. And yeah, praise the Lord. So excited about that. Pass through, really. And, and so I've been doing some research on that. Here's just some stats that I'm finding out. Uh, Self-harm among teenagers in the last two years is up 334%. Overdoses among teenagers is up 119%. Anxiety is up 94%. Depression is up 84%. And these stats are so easy to just say, but even trying to wrap your mind around the impact that some of that has on people's everyday life, it will blow you away. And, and I'm not saying that to be all doom and gloom. I'm trying to tell you the harvest is plentiful. Don't look at it like it's all crumbling. Look at it like, what an opportunity. You have an audience that wants truth. They don't want fake anymore. They don't want cute church anymore. They want what's real, and they're searching for it with everything in them. And we have an audience of teenagers right now that are killing themselves, but we have an opportunity to intervene. How many calls do you go to where it's just devastation all the time? And I don't think you'd have to look very far in any of our personal lives to say that you have a friend, a coworker, or extended family, and their life is wilting. This is not so distant. Well, we're in western Michigan. That's happening in Detroit. Lord knows. We need to give them over to Canada. Annex them to Windsor in Jesus' name. Listen, it's not Detroit. It's Grand Rapids. It's Holland, Zealand. It's Muskegon. It's decaying, and the harvest is great, but my workers are few. John 15, the message paraphrase. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be wholly mature. This is my command. Love one another the way that I loved you. Love one another the way that I loved you. Love one another the way that I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You're my friends when you do the things that I've commanded you to. You think we're tight? We're tight. Why don't you get on board? Jesus says, love the way that I love. How? Don't hold back. 
Give like he gave. Don't, don't be afraid to give of yourself. Give at all times. And the best way to live, the best way to love, the best way to live this existence out is by being a giver. What do you give of? Give of your calendar. You're giving of your, your time during the day. You're giving of resources. You're giving of prayer time. Write this down. You're never more like God than when you prefer others and give. Oh, Pastor, I don't know about that. Chapter and verse. Glad you asked. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. You want to be like your God? Get ready to be stretched. And it'll be hard work, but it will be meaningful. And when it's all said and done, you'll be like, yeah. We did that. We did that together. Look at what our family has done. Look at the generational curses we broke because we're part of a winning team. Wow. You know, when we were planting New Chapel, uh, there were other churches in the city that were planting it. I would have communication with them every once in a while. I'd be like, hey, what are y'all praying for? And they'd be very demonstrative. Like, God, give us the city. We're going to take over. We're going to take, we want all of it. God, give us everything. <laughs> Angry prayers. Oh, you know, and uh, I'd be like, amen, you know, and, but you know what New Chapel was praying? God, give us to the city. God, give us over to the city. Pour us out over to the city. They need us so badly, God. We don't have to take over. I said, no. That's stress you out even when I say, oh, hmm. no, we're going to give ourselves away like Jesus gave himself away. That's how God showed us. Two quotes, I think you'll get a kick out of them. Uh, Mother Teresa said this, a life not lived for others is not a life. William James, a great use of life is to spend it for something that will, here's the key, outlast it. On the hierarchy of needs, this is the top need that people don't even know they have, and it's your most important need. It's called a transcendent need. That's not new age. Here's what it means. Doing something with your life that transcends or exceeds your life. Put it this way, something that matters. And when you sow into the kingdom, and when you serve the kingdom, when you're behind events that are bridge events to the community, and when you're, when you're focused on reaching the loss, and when you're focused on helping people at their lowest spots, when you're not so high flute and religious people that you can't talk to people that are less than you, when you're doing those type of things, it fills transcendent needs that God has put in your heart that only that thing will fulfill. Wow. God desires that you live your life, that you serve, that you give, that you plant your life, yet you're connected in such a way that the work that you do exceeds you. And the thing that God has called you to is so big, you can't do it alone. There is no soul man of God out there alone. That's a bunch of baloney. And I love some of the old guys. I love Billy Graham. And Oral Roberts, I love those guys to pieces. I think they're amazing. God's men for the hour, Roberts. I love it. I love it. There was a huge team, huge team of people behind Oral Roberts and Billy Graham, R.W. Schombach, huge team of people behind Kenneth E. Hagin and Willie George and so many others. And so I believe in the man of God, but let me just tell you, there is no soul man of God. There is a group of people that believe in what God Almighty, it's a man of God, his purpose. There's a whole team behind that that's making it happen. It doesn't happen automatically. It happens when a normal, normal group of people like us do exceptional things together. 
It doesn't, we've never had rich people, Jesus bring them. But like, it's normal. It doesn't take a lot of money. Honestly, it's, it's more this. It's you having the heart and you're sowing into it. Say amen. I have a question for you. If all of your prayers came true, would it change the world or just your world? Are all your prayers just about meeting your needs and what you got on your agenda and us for no more? Or is it about this whole world, about things that are going wrong and right, and real focuses? And I'm not saying that to be heavy on you. I'm saying it to challenge you. Write some stuff down that's outside of you. Write some things down that, that mess with you. And, you know, uh, the easy one is just the pro-life thing, right? Because it was on a lot of people's hearts. But why should they have written that down and prayed for it? Because it made them angry. What makes you angry in this world? Maybe some of those headlines that you get outraged about reading, maybe that's actually your prayer focus. The Lord woke me up at 4.30 this morning, and I prayed forever for someone that I have not seen in eight years and I pray to God that someone would be willing to do that for me. But listen, we've got to fuel this thing. We've got to get behind this thing, and it's going to cost. I cringe sometimes. They have a great kids ministry. They have great worship. They are funny or whatever it is. They. And I cringe a little bit. Because I'm dreaming of the day where I hear more often, and I just love my church, we have this great thing going on. We've really built something real here, and, and we've really made a difference. We've really made an impact in people's lives. I get questions or emails or calls from time to time. People may be moving into the area or are just trying to get back to church, and, and they'll call up and be like, what can the church offer my teenager? What can the church offer my kids or me? Or do you have Bible study? What, what can the church do for me? And I'll tell you, every once in a while, once in a blue moon, maybe three times in almost nine years, I'll get a phone call from somebody, and they're moving in the area, and they're saying, hey, moving in the area, came from a great church, love it to pieces. Uh, thinking about your church, how quickly can I get involved? How quickly can I serve? Where do you have needs that, that, you're, that you're looking for somebody to fulfill? Every once in a while. What if that was us, and we didn't have to move for it? What if you just had to move? What if you... What if you just had to move off that seat and say, I'm going to do it. I don't have to make the discernment in between getting my needs met. I can get those met by God. He meets all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And I'm going to be the answer to somebody else's prayer and put legs to my prayers and not just agreement. Amen, somebody. I've heard a quote recently, and I'm, I'm getting ready to wrap up. If you're too big for the small things... You're too small for the big things. I've had to pass that test. I was down in Tulsa hunting. My pastor has this like ranch, and, and in his retirement, he brings in pastors, and he ministers to us. And, and we all joke, because he, he was a pastor of one of the most successful churches in America, Church on the Move. And now we call him the pastor of Rocker W Ranch. <laughs> and he pours into us, and it was great. It was, it's better than me going to your average conference. And after that, I had planned for Pastor Robbie Emery to preach. This was, I think, two Octobers ago. We all love Pastor Robbie. He's the chaplain for U of M, and he was preaching here because I wanted to go to church that Sunday and see what they had going on in kids. We, we wanted to make some changes back in kids, see what they had going on in youth in different areas, and, of course, take notes on all of it. And uh, during that particular week, they were celebrating the harvest party. And if you're new to Christianity, 
Uh, it's illegal for us to celebrate Halloween, so we don't call it that. Uh, we do exactly the same thing, but we call it Harvest Party. <laughs> so if you were wondering, uh, funny, not funny, right? Anyway, <laughs> and so they were having their <laughs> they were having a Harvest Party, and they were trying to get people. They were a little short on volunteers that night. And so they said, we need 40 people. And they started to stand people up. They said, if you're willing to serve tonight. And in that week, I missed my kids. I wanted to go to our own little harvest party. I wanted to go trick-or-treating with them. I wanted to show off. One of them was dressed like Marty McFly, which was so cool. And, and, and I wanted to go do my thing. And, and they were asking for volunteers. I knew I wasn't going to be there Sunday night. And so I stood up. I'm a lead pastor of a church. I'm part of the ancient order of the elders. I have a lightsaber. I can float with my face. I'm joking about the last two things. but And that night, I showed up. I got a lanyard. And I served at this pumpkin painting area that had all these hay bales. And I'm helping these little kids that I had never met and likely will never meet again paint pumpkins. And I got to serve at the church I got to serve at when I was in college. And you know what kind of occurred to me is this. What an honor. I'm not above that. I'll go paint pumpkins with kids, and, and I had my bougie dress shoes, because you know me, I wake up business casual, you know, and I'm, I'm, there's mud all over them now, and I'm getting dirty, and I got my collared shirt on, you know, and everything, and I'm getting down in the hay all over, and, and just, I'm not above this, because Jesus died to build something, and it was his church, and if this is going to be an on-ramp for the lost, if this is going to rally the church, let's do it. And that was at a church I didn't even attend because I'm not above it. I'll cook y'all hot dogs out there. I'll, I'll be serving in the trenches with you. I'm not above it. I hear some people say, I'm above all that junk. I'm established. I'm old. I'm old, Pastor Joe. I'll write you a check. You know something? <laughs> we never stop people when they're giving. But <laughs> you know what I'd rather have than your check is your heart. We have some people that are well into their 70s that open doors for people and make relationship, and make connection, and help assimilate people. You don't, you don't graduate from faith school. It's a new level. God has more. Matthew 20, i got to wrap this up. Whoever desires to be great among you, let him first be your servant. Whoever desires to be first, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man, just as Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. What's the model? You see a need and you fill it. You don't even need to pray about some of these things, especially for those of you that call this church, like I'm a partner at New Chapel. There's no prayer. You're a partner. Let's go take the hill. Kazaa, right? Write this down. God has wired you to be a person who gets involved. You're going to be going to cookouts, no doubt, in the next three weeks. Somebody's going to be cooking out, doing a barbecue. And when you show up at the house, and if they're hosting it, you're like, hey, what, what do you mean to do? I'm going to go grab the drinks. I'm going to get the ice. I'm going to break the ice. You forgot ice. I'll go get ice. Why is it all centered around ice at the beginning? Is there ice? We need ice. I just want to make sure that the ice stick. How long can I stretch that out? Anyway, what is it, though? You, you're willing. It's, it's hardwired in you to go serve. There's no problem. It's like, I got a seat at the table. I'm going to be eating. So I got to do something here. I can't just let everybody serve me. Who's that dude? You have an uncle like that and you don't like him really. And so like, you, and at New Chapel, 
I am so incredibly grateful for the people that make this church happen, the people that support it. I'm so grateful for the people that have stood up with me when it was not popular to stand up in the city. I I saw the fruit of a church that was willing to not just sit back and shrimp back and shelter in place, but were willing to put their necks on the line and reach the city. We did a lot of good so far. Thank you. And yeah, praise the Lord. Absolutely. That was actually the origin of what we started to call our freedom events. You thought drive-in to freedom was just a gimmick. No, no, no. We only had drive-in for a while. And, and, and so then it became last year where we had, I think, 550, 600 people on this campus. And Justin Barclay uh, spoke. It was an amazing message, by the way. And, and that event was out of a season where you stood up where you served. Y'all remember when they told us that washing our hands was going to stop this, right? Like, and that's when you were like leaning in and serving and putting yourself out there when we didn't know how it all worked. We thought it worked like in 1989 Batman, that green smoke that went into the museum, you know, with a keep your windows up at the door. We didn't know. And you were still willing to go and serve. And the fruit of that has been manifest. Now listen, Next week is going to be significant. Guys, go ahead and throw up our series that we're starting next week. It's called Sizzlin' Summer. Now, Sizzlin' Summer is going to be pretty significant. Sizzlin' Summer is all July. That's the series that we're in. Next slide. I want to show you the speakers. Justin Barclay on the 3rd, Pastor Eric on the 10th, Garrett Soldano on the 17th, and then that, that handsome olive oil guinea charm of that young evangelist, Joe Bevilacqua, on the 24th. <laughs> Thank you. I see that hand. What's that? Humble. Any of y'all old enough to know that old song? Oh, Lord, it's hard. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking Charlie to my people. Who's got a lineup like that? That's amazing. Pastor Eric is in Pakistan right now. I can't wait to hear the stories. There's some kids that were waiting for their hearing to be restored by prayer. and They're believing God. for. I can't wait to hear stories on the 10th, but this month is going to be fabulous. Next week in particular, huge deal. Next slide. I want you to see the Living in Freedom event. Now, here's what we got. Just like last year, we've got massive inflatables, free food. Uh, uh, we're going to have uh, free treats for everybody, family activities. Here's some of the announcements that I have, and I want you to get excited about it. We are giving away four bicycles for boys and girls. Is that a good deal? That's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Okay, here's a whole nother level. We are sending one family to an all-expense, including the gas card, because we're very kind, uh, trip to Great Wolf Lodge. All expenses taken care of Great Wolf Lodge. One lucky person who comes to the Living and Freedom event will be winning an AR-15 in Jesus' name. That's my church. Oh, I love my people. And so... And so listen, partners, all hands on deck. I need you. Well, I got plans. I couldn't go out to the lake. Go to the lake. You just got to come to church. I need your help. I need you to be here. Last slide in this series, we have some serving opportunities, and I believe that in between these two services, we can take care of it. We have 24 spots that I still need to fill. What are they? Set up and tear down, four before and four after. Inflatables, we need two people manning the inflatables on both services. The dunk tank, 
which by the way is mainly salty sweat and urine by the end of the day, but we need two people per service. <laughs> Just bring a chlorine tablet. And, and, and then, um, so we're calling it hammer strength. There's just a lot of areas where we need some help. No, there's a game where you're hitting the hammer down. It hits the bell. There's different carnival games like that. A duck pond. There's some food prep. 24 people. If you're willing to serve next week, I don't care if you're on the go team. I don't care if you've ever served before, never served before. I need at least 12 people out of the service to say, I will serve above and beyond what I'm already scheduled to do to stand up right now. 12 people. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. One more. Somebody heard from God. I won't make you stand up. 12, 13. Hey, give it up for these people. You can sit down. Your what hurts? Oh, sign up at guest services. <laughs> when you're a dad of four, that's what you say when you can't hear. So you, you, all of you people that stood up, thank you. Look how quick we can do it. Go out to guest services and stand up. If you were a wicked and perverse uh, servant of the Lord and <laughs> you knew that you were supposed to sign up, you can go sign up still. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ unless you don't sign up, in which case be condemned. I'm just kidding. I'm, you know, okay, we've got, we got we to gotta wrap this up. Okay. <laughs> this past week, 50-some years of prayers were answered when Roe versus Wade was overturned, which clarified there never was a right to abort a baby. That's amazing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Never was. Never was. That means that our harvest field will expand. We are going to have unexpected moms and dads and new kids. There is a world that's looking for answers. The tipping point is happening. And, and i got to say, wouldn't it be a shame if the church that is known for these freedom events that stood up when everybody else was closed, wouldn't it be a shame if 550, 600 or more people come next week and they come and you've paid for everything because you're faithful in giving, but the church that's meant to be here takes off? Let it not be said of us. You may have plans. I'm fixing to interrupt them right now in Jesus' name. If you go and you decide, oh, I'm going to blow off Pastor Joe, do my own thing. I hope I haunt your dreams. Look at me. <laughs> Remember this face. <laughs> oh, I'm putting it on thick, but let me just tell you, you got to be in the house. Leave the lake, come to church and go back. Let's be that church that is ready to receive people who are far from God. These things like Roe versus Wade, they're tipping everybody. The tipping point is happening. This is not the summer to just take it all off. No, this is, this is time. Take your vacation. Go get your self-care. And then what you need to do is lean in to everything that's happening. Let's get the momentum going as you go. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my church. God, I pray for those people that are in the sound of my voice that did not want to hear this message but did and now are accountable to it. God, I pray that you do change weekend plans to your glory. God, I pray for revival in our land. I pray that over this whole series, people were stirred to go fill out a team-up card to be part of a church, even though they're not perfect, whatever that even means, that they can do their part to see the difference you want to work in this world. God, I thank you for it, that you work in them. Lord, if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, help me to find them. In Jesus' name, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you came in here and you don't know God through Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to pray. 
The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you mean this prayer from the bottom of your heart, God will make all things new in your life. Say it out loud with me, church. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit in me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Hallelujah. Listen, if you did accept Christ in here, we're cheering because we're proud of you. Let somebody know about it. Fill out that connection card and check the box that says, I accepted Christ. We'll send you information about next steps. You don't have to come down to the front, but if you need prayer in your spirit, soul, or body, want to agree uh, with God on, on his word, with somebody else in the church, we'll have prayer partners as we dismiss today. Church, one more time. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. <laughs> Louder than that, come on. Hey, stand up on your feet, everybody. I hope this series was good for you, and more than anything, I hope it challenged you. Leave this room and go fill out a team-up card. Leave this room and go sign up to serve, and next week, be in the house for Justin Barclay. One last announcement before I pray for all of us. We are announcing our first annual Serve Day here at New Chapel. Now, what is Serve Day going to be all about? On the 16th of July, so mark your calendars, 16th of July is Serve Day, and we're going to have that whole morning dedicated to serving people in our community. We are waiting for confirmation from a couple different neighborhoods, but what that might look like is cleaning up rubbish, uh, helping elderly people, maybe doing some painting, maybe painting a trailer. I don't know what it's going to look like in, in, in precision. Let me guarantee you, it's going to be manual labor. Let me tell you, it is going to be real hot. And all I'm going to reward you with is like Little Caesars, water, Coke, and a t-shirt. But... I think that we're a church that wants to make a difference in our community. And so if you want to be a part of that, it's going to be a great serving opportunity. I think dozens and dozens of people at New Chapel are going to be there. We will meet at the church before we go anyplace else. Sign up, though, for me at guest services for Serve Day. That is July 16th. Guys, I love you. I believe momentum is on our side right now. We have a good backwind. If we go into the fall with this, we are going to kick butt and take names. Be here next week. We're going to have an awesome uh, series and service with Justin Barclay and fun for the family. Don't miss out one second. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, Preach. as you go, Preach. have a great week. Love you guys.